Well, we're here on another edition of the Roaring Twenties podcast. Hope everyone's well. Episode 7 coming your way in just a second with Terry Denike, the new Director of Youth Hockey Development for the Reading Royals, a former Reading Royals goaltending coach, as well as a two-year netminder with the Royals who played with Jonathan Quick in 2007-2008, and after that became a volunteer firefighter with Spring Township just outside of Reading. Want to thank everyone for listening in. It's been a, a fun experience so far. I've received a lot of really nice feedback. And wherever and however, want to make sure that everyone is well and is safe. And uh, another big thank you to all first responders who continue to help make and keep our community so strong and all the frontline workers that are doing the same. Royals announced their 20th anniversary logo about a week ago. Terry was hired as the director of youth hockey development for the new Reading Royals youth program just a few days ago. So the beginning of our episode is going to focus on that for about the first 10 minutes or so. From there, we'll take a look at Terry's playing career, relive some fun memories, and how he became a professional hockey netminder and how an experience in uh, Saskatchewan helped shape that as well. So let's get started with Terry. A member of the Reading Royals organization. He's been with the Royals for a number of years in a variety of roles and was recently named just earlier this week the Director of Youth Hockey Development. That is former Royals netminder Terry Denike. Terry, first of all, it's not really saying welcome to the organization, but it's just in a different capacity. How's everything going with you? Uh, it's going great. Uh, really exciting time despite the uh, affairs of the pandemic. You know, we're uh, we're moving forward with a pretty exciting uh, youth hockey announcement this week and trying to spread some hope uh, in our community for our young hockey players. Right, and uh, I know that specifically as it relates to the program, it's going to be getting a lot of you know kids involved. And I'll ask in uh, that regard, first, uh, how's your family doing? How's everyone uh, making out there the last couple of uh, weeks and months? Uh, good. My family uh, is back in Fort Erie, Ontario, and mom and dad are retired, so they're pretty used to this uh, isolation. So it's been uh, an easy transition for them, and uh, myself and uh, my dogs and my girlfriend were, were doing great. So it's just missing uh, missing the rink and missing the kids, and I'm sure once this uh, this gets lifted and we can go back, I think it's going to be a lot better seems like uh, there's a pretty strong you know outpouring of support throughout the hockey world um, not only for whether it's ECHL players AHL NHL but you know just the community really coming together how would you look at that from the youth hockey perspective and some of the changes and alterations that have had to come forward and how people have adjusted and supported each other uh, yeah the youth hockey community is obviously a very tight one just great people that are all you know rallying together for the kids um, we're following uh, happening currently in other states with rinks reopening uh, new protocols and CDC guidelines USA Hockey's been uh, very active this week about reopening guidelines and structures so I think we're all working together for the same goal and uh you know the kids are, are obviously just waiting for the quarantine to end, but it's been it's been tough. But it's given us a lot of time to uh, work on our programs and make things better for when the doors open. And I mean, when you think about what goes into a youth hockey program, obviously it might not be as complex in terms of the number of people working within 
an organization, but I, I have to imagine before we get into the specifics of the Royals youth hockey program that, you know, there's people like yourself and it might be one or two people kind of making everything happen. Um, who have you heard from and talked to and, you know, allowed to maybe help you at points um, to make sure that you know that you're doing your, you have been doing your due diligence with uh, everything that could go into running a youth hockey program? Right, absolutely. I, I like to start at the top. I've been uh, in touch with our district register in the Atlantic District, uh, Glenn Heffernan. I've been reaching out to him. Uh, Tony Montaigne, a great guy, has been really helpful uh, with all my questions and information about, you know, obviously starting a new uh, youth program. Um, the, the key to remember is, like, we're, we're basically um, building um, an initiation-level program that will develop young players and, and help move on to travel programs. I think, like, and this might be something we, we can circle back to. I might reword this for you, but um, we want to support local travel programs in our area we want to make sure that everybody knows um you know we're here to take some of the pressure off them and uh help develop some kids that will go on to play for local programs um so i have a lot of friends that run um travel programs in the area i work with a lot of travel programs in the area and this is just a a great thing for reading the kids in berks county and uh hopefully for the surrounding uh program directors as well there's specifically again talking about the Reading Royals youth hockey program so this is brand new Royals have never done this before this isn't the junior Royals of the past but there's in this regard three development areas uh, available for sign up there's learn to play youth leagues and the skill clinics for somebody that hears those three terms again learn to play youth leagues and skill clinics uh, could you break down for us what exactly each of those uh, encompass and comprise yeah, absolutely. Our Learn to Play program is basically a, a weekly development uh, session where the kids are going to get 60 minutes of on-ice uh, instruction. Um, everything will be in a, a skill-based station format. Uh, we will be focusing a lot on small area games, problem solving, allowing the kids to develop good hockey sense and, and good hockey skills, but disguising it as uh, you know fun activities on the ice. We, we don't want to you know, bore them with uh, excessive uh, skating drills or we want to make sure that they're engaged, they're having fun, and without even knowing it, they're becoming better hockey players. And uh, I'm just curious, how did this idea all come about to get back with the Royals organization specifically and create a youth hockey program? Well, it, it just really made sense, to be honest with you. The Royals are the example of hockey in this community they have been for 20 years this is what they do for a living they're a hockey company and it made sense that they should have control of youth hockey in our area Um, I feel like every kid that grows up around here is either a Flyers fan or a Penguins fan and there's a lot of obviously animosity that way but I think we can all come together under this uh, Reading Royals banner and just appreciate the fact that we're from the same community whoever we cheer for is an NHL team and uh, we can train together and we can push each other to get better you have a lot of past experience uh, developing youth hockey players from just over the last few years since your playing career finished up which we'll uh, we'll reflect on that in a little bit but what have you learned about what it takes 
to run a youth hockey program? Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest with you. When I first retired, I was still in my player mode where I thought I knew everything about hockey and what it took. Uh, but when you enter the youth hockey world and you see how hard these hockey directors and parents and boards and everybody works to make sure the kids have a great experience, that the year runs smoothly, uh, it was it was eye-opening. Um, it's taken me a long time to get to this point. It's taken a lot of help uh, from friends and different organizations that I've worked with. But, you know, it's it's been a great journey. I'm very grateful for uh, the opportunity that I've been given with the Royals, and I'm looking forward to improving uh, what we had. Um, the Royals just have so many more uh, resources available to them, and then we're going to be advertising those as we move forward here having it under the Royals banner with the Royals following, like you mentioned, is going to be uh, unifying and great. It's going to be uh, an exciting start. So uh, to lay out what it's going to look like in the next few weeks or months, I'll leave the floor to you. What's, uh, especially given the current situation in the world, uh, the outlook for the next few months of launching the Reading Royals youth hockey program effectively? Yeah, right now, um, you know, we're we're on standby, obviously, until the rink's open. But once those doors open, we'll be following every guideline that we, we have to, from state to CDC to USA Hockey. And the first phase for us is going to be to roll out our learn-to-play program, which we touched on before. It's just the perfect way to start. Get the kids back on the ice, let them play, let them have fun. Um, as we head into the fall, we'll be introducing our, our youth hockey league, my hope is that, you know, with registrations, we'll be able to have leagues at a cross-ice level for our under-six players, half-ice for our under-eight players, and then a full-ice league for our under-10, under-12, and under-14 players. Uh, we're really excited to see what the feedback is. The registrations have been coming in uh, from the website, which has been really flattering and awesome to see. And uh, all signs are very positive right now. We, we really do have an awesome uh, hockey community here in Berks, and we're really looking forward to giving them uh, a great product. And as you mentioned, it's going to start to be ro- uh, more and more rolled out, especially with the uh, you know, youth hockey rinks and with hockey rinks around the area. First thing that jumped out at me, and this is even back when you know, when you were the Royals goaltending coach primarily, was I remember you, know, you go on Elite Prospects or Hockey DB, and you see that, uh, first of all, L.A. Kings draft pick, but also that um, you're from Canada originally, from Ontario, but that you played American college hockey, which now is more common, but when you were playing, that was kind of maybe not as common. So how did it end up happening that you ended up playing for Lake State as a, you know, coming across the border to play U.S. college hockey? Right. Uh, that was my, my goal early on. My, my whole youth hockey career, uh, growing up in southern Ontario, I grew up in Oakville, and, um, you know, every hockey player there, you're either going to go play major junior in the O or you're going to get a full scholarship. And uh, I knew that as, a, as an athlete and as a student, I'd have to pick up my, my workload and, and make sure that I was excelling. But, uh, yeah, I, I really felt like that was the right path for me at the time. Um, I pursued it by playing my junior hockey in Saskatchewan in a great league, uh, Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. I played the Waver Red Wings for three years. Uh, gave me a, a unbelievable exposure. I, I think I got better exposure playing out west than I would have gotten playing in Ontario. Ontario is such a big province, and there's just so many hockey players in so many leagues. And 
it, it's really hard to uh, establish yourself. I felt like leaving the province and kind of reinventing myself in Saskatchewan gave me the best opportunity to uh, get get looks from U.S. colleges, and uh, it, it was it was the right move for me. Um, I got a great scholarship from Lake Superior State University. At the time, it was in the CCHA, uh, playing against Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, and uh, you know it was, it was a good conference. So I'm very grateful for that. What was it like going up to uh, Flin Flon in the SGHL? It was awesome. You know, looking back, a lot of players, I think, will say, you know, they had the time of their life in, in college or pro. But for me, I, honestly, I really felt like junior hockey was was the epitome of my career. <laughs> I had a great time. I met so many amazing people. Uh, the, the province of Saskatchewan is just just incredible. Like, I think that's where I really developed a lot of my uh, my community. Um, I don't know what the word is, David, but... I guess respect for community. Um, Saskatchewan is is essentially a small town as a province, and they they teach you to be a good person and keep your nose clean and do right and know the difference between right and wrong. And I had some great billets, uh, Larry and Judy Olfert, who took me in for three years. I lived with them, and they were honestly like my parents, my second set of parents. And, uh, yeah, I, I look back on the junior days traveling to Flin Flon and, you know, getting on a bus for a few hours and flat there so you can see where you're going the whole time. But it was uh, it was a great experience, and that was definitely a, a high for me. You ended up being drafted in uh, the fifth round, 152nd overall by the L.A. Kings. Uh, were you expecting it to be picked? No, <laughs> no. Uh, coming out of junior tier two, uh, getting drafted to the NHL is not um, – a realistic goal uh, I'm very very proud that it happened I didn't expect it um, that year uh, our team did very well um, I was getting some attention I filled out a central scouting package and that was a high just filling out the questionnaire I didn't expect much of come to or much uh, to come from it but um, I did talk to a few teams it was pretty cool uh, the New York Rangers came one of the scouts came to Weyburn and took me to lunch and I did another questionnaire and uh, the Montreal Canadiens uh, called me and I talked to them on the phone and I had a, another call uh, with St. Louis. So it was it was pretty exciting. And then when the draft came, all the teams that I'd spoken to, they didn't draft me. <laughs> so I never spoke to LA before the draft and uh, they ended up drafting me higher than the other teams were talking to me about it. And it was it was a nice surprise and it was, uh, it was pretty cool. At the time, I was a big Felix Botvin fan and yeah, he happened to be in LA at that time, so I was hoping uh, maybe I'd get a chance to meet him. It didn't work out, but it would have been awesome. So then you go to Lake Superior State. You know, again, you picked, you played in Weyburn uh, two years at Lake State, and then uh, you turned pro after playing two years of collegiate hockey. Take us back then, what you maybe were thinking. How did you end up making the decision to uh, to turn pro in 03 04? Well, this is going to be one of those honest talks, David. Uh, <laughs> I went to school with, with no pressure. It was supposed to be the best four years of my life, four years to develop, to lift weights, to go to school, get good grades. It was going to be a dream come true. And I had been uh, recruited by a coach named Scott Bork, who was just an awesome guy. I think he went on to coach at UNH. 
Uh, Al Dunbar was one of the coaches that recruited me. Great guys. So after I signed my letter of intent to go to Lake State, I picked my classes. I had all my goal equipment customized and ready to go. Uh, the coaching staff got fired, and a new coaching staff came in. And um, I was still set on going to the school. I was still excited to be a Laker. Um, unfortunately, the coach that came in, I wasn't uh, one of his recruits, and I wasn't one of his favorite people. So it was it was a pretty bad situation from the start. Um, I, I lasted as long as I could under this coach, and uh, my entire freshman class either transferred out or uh, yeah, quit after the first year or two. I was one of the last people from my class to uh, endure this coach. And, um, yeah, it's unfortunate because it really is a great school. They have a very great hockey program. It just it wasn't a good fit once uh, the head coach had changed. I, I know not to dwell on it too much, but at the same time, I mean, it, being in your shoes, it has to. there's a lot of pressure on you. You're, you're a draft pick of the L.A. Kings, you know, which – you're somewhat of a highly touted guy, you know, playing in college. And um, at the same time, you're still trying to, like every college student, um, succeed academically and develop personally, emotionally, et cetera. So um, I had to imagine, I have to imagine that the decision to leave a place that you like must've hurt, you know, leave a campus, leave friends early must've been difficult at the time. <laughs> It was, and and looking back, um, it was a tough decision to make at the time. Um, I would never recommend that any student athletes give up. I should have stayed and finished my degree, whether I was playing or not. Uh, I just wasn't strong enough mentally as an athlete to uh, to deal with what I had to deal with. I wasn't playing well, and it just everything felt like I needed to make a change. So, for the health of my mind and my athletic career um i just decided that um this might be a good time uh, to to walk away and, and not burn bridges and just you know start a new chapter um the unfortunate part was it was the year of the lockout that i chose to leave school so it was it was again just timing is everything in in sports and in hockey and uh, i look back now and i laugh at you know some of the things that i went through but at the time it wasn't it wasn't funny <laughs> In oh three oh four, so you turn uh, you turn pro again after two years at Lake State, and uh, we were just talking before um, we hit the record button about how from the start you had five games in Reading, and there were a number of really special people that shaped your time there, even though it was only five games played. So what what helped shape you early on as a as a rookie in Reading? Well, you know, it's it's a tough stat as a goalie. Um, my first year, I was basically a, a backup goalie and more of a suitcase than, than a starter anywhere. Um, when I first got assigned to Reading, I attended camp with Los Angeles Kings. I got assigned to Manchester. I signed a two-way contract with Manchester and Reading. So when I got assigned to Reading, I was really excited. I thought this would be a great start. I was doing my homework on uh, the, the, the city and the program, and uh, I was excited. Um, when I got to Reading, uh, I found out that they had two great goalies signed, um, Adam Hauser and uh, Cody Rakowski. So I came down and uh, I talked to Derek Clancy at the time, and he's like, I'm sorry, like we already have our goalies signed, but like your attitude, like the way you work, you know, we'd like to bring you back when, when we need you. 
so I, I bounced around and whenever I got the call from uh, Clance, I was on the next jet back to Reading. Um, this was my first impression of, of pro hockey and, you know, Reading Royals fans from the start are a very passionate and loyal group. Um, they really care about the players in this, in this city. And, um, you know, I go back to my, my first booster, uh, Andrea, uh, really helped me out. I was a young kid that had left school early. I had all this energy. I was very excited to start a career and, you know, she was amazing and helped me adjust. She helped me, you know, uh, with my apartment. She helped me learn my way around the city. And uh, I'm very grateful to, you know, her friendship and, and the billet um, community in Reading when I first started in 04. You're part of, on that team, uh, a combined shutout, which I wouldn't normally bring that up, but there's only been three in history on uh, January 16th of 2004. Uh, Peter Hamlick started it off. He played 24 minutes, uh, 10 saves. Um, and then you came in for the final 35 minutes of that game. I'm not sure if you remember it off the top of your head, but it's happened so rarely in Royals history. And combined shutouts don't really happen in sports other than baseball normally. So do you, do you even remember that game against Charlotte at the combined shutout? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It was a, it was a good day. It was, it was uh, a great memory, and uh, yeah, um, <laughs> I think, um, and I'll admit this now, um, one of the great things about the Booster Club back then was, uh, I think if you got a shutout, uh, the Booster Club chipped in for a Best Buy gift card for the goalies, so um, that, was one of the <laughs> that was one of the things I remember that game. I think Andrew was the one that presented it to me, but uh, yeah, if the goalies got a shutout for Reading back in the day, the Boosters would give them a uh, $50 gift card to Best Buy, so did made they, it a little extra special. Yeah, did they have to split it up, though, because Peter was in for the first uh, <laughs> 25 minutes? Did you get a... Since you were in for longer in the game, was there a... I, I'm, I'm joking, sort of, of course, but it, maybe they would have split up the gift card instead of giving you the full 50, right? No, if I remember correctly, we both got a card, and uh, they, they did the right thing, so <laughs> there was no need to nickel and dime it. It was fair. That, all right, fair enough. Uh, again, talking with Terry Denike, who was just uh, brought on and sort of repurposed with the Royals, maybe as the director of youth hockey development. And Terry's specialties on that go back to not only his work with the Royals and helping to train goalie coaches, but his work with the Body Zone previously and Denike goaltending development and helping to train youth players of all ages and uh, all positions. So uh, we figured it'd be good to have him on this week. Um, so after Reading, again, 0304. You go on to play a, a number of years uh, more professionally, uh, get some time in the SPHL. Um, you were with Dayton in 06-07, and in 07-08, the 06-07 team um, was a team that made the finals, and uh, Yannick Tifu was on that team. <laughs> he was the uh, leading point scorer, and that was really early on in his career. I think he was a rookie off the top of my head, or it was his uh, second year, second year's first year in the ECHL, but his second year. Um, do you remember Yannick early on in 06-07 and what, uh, what it was like seeing Tief early on in his pro career? Yeah, absolutely. I was uh, very fortunate to join that Dayton Bombers team. Um, again, the common denominator was coach Derek Clancy, who uh, was my coach in Reading uh, at the beginning of my career. Um, you know, just to give you a quick, you know, wrap up of, of how things went. Uh, my first year, I didn't get any experience. Um, so I, I got the opportunity to go play in PHL. 
Ron Duguay had called me uh, to come down to Jacksonville and promised that I would get a ton of playing time, et cetera. And uh, that, that's what really took me south. Uh, the Southern League is a good proving ground for players that, you know, can't seem to crack a lineup or, or don't have the contract that's going to give them the playing time. And, you know, I got to play uh, for a great coach down there, uh, Tommy Stewart. Uh, he took me on in Macon. And then when that team uh, left and became the Florida Seals, uh, he took me with him there as well. So I'm, I'm very loyal to coaches that, uh, that helped me out. I, I realize, obviously, going back to my collegiate career, the importance of having a coach that uh, believes in you. So when I got the call from Derek Clancy, it was an absolute no-brainer. I joined a great team. Uh, met Tifu, awesome guy. Um, actually met, met her, Matt Hernizen when I was there too. Became good friends with him. And, you know, uh, that team had a great run. I, um, I got brought in as a, kind of an emergency goalie to start. Um, they had two American League goalies on contract and one was always being called up. And, uh, Adam Burkle was, uh, you know, just an awesome goalie to play with and learn learn from. And uh, I think the other goalie, I'm trying to think of his name. I don't want to embarrass myself. I'll wait on that one. I'll come back to it. But he was an awesome guy too, and I'd met him in Brampton a few times and trained with him. So it was a great experience. And uh, as they went on to, to a great run in the playoffs and, you know, ended up going out in Idaho and losing, but uh, th- that team was really special. They're a great bunch of guys, and, I was very honored to be a part of it. That's really the first time in your ECHL career that you know you were that you had stuck with a team for the entire season. Well, factual it is, but also it's not like it, you played twenty games, but it's not like you were going in and out. You know, you were a part of the the roster consistently. I know you only played one more year pro after that, but um, how do you still continue to? feel fondly about the fact that you were able to stick in the ECHL for a full season and help carve out another year of your pro career by by proving yourself with a good team uh you know it's something that I've I've struggled with obviously um my whole career and now that I'm looking back on it it's easier to talk about but um I, I worked very hard you know um to get where I got in hockey my goal was always to get a scholarship and I never really looked past that. So every day that I got to play professional was a gift and that's how I looked at it. I tried to enjoy it as much as I could. Um, when I started to see athletes that were above and beyond exceptional, that's when I started to realize, Hey, you're good, but you're not that good. You know, I I made myself better by working harder and being a good teammate and staying out for extra shots of practice and being one of the guys that's how I made my my name in, in pro hockey I just worked I wasn't the most skilled goalie looking back you know having worked with young goalies and seen talent you know I look back and I love the game it's all I wanted to do and I put my heart and soul into it but pro was uh was a great experience and I, I don't look back with any any bad memories at all it was it was awesome and it's it's allowed me to uh, pursue a career in coaching and youth hockey so it's been uh been a great great learning experience the next year uh in 2007 2008 you finish your career with the royals and that's a, a special year for a number of reasons uh why was that year special to you well you know it's a tough situation i started the year in dayton and uh, we changed affiliations. We actually picked up uh, 
the Philadelphia Flyers as our affiliate. It was the Columbus Blue Jackets. So Philly brought in two goalies right away. Uh, I think it was Rajon Beauchemin and uh, trying to think of the other guy. I can always remember one. I can't remember two. Anyway, uh, so <laughs> I have the other uh... and um, you know I got a call from uh, I think it was Coach Patrick in Wheeling, who was a great guy by the way, and uh, he said you know I, I saw what happened to Dayton and uh, you know. We, we could use you here for a little while. We'll help you find a place to play. And so I went to Wheeling, and I was the third goalie there, and I got a few games, but I was more or less just there for practice when their goalies were up or down. And then the call came from uh, Carl Taylor. And, uh, you know, I think I have Matt Hernizen and, again, Andrea Thomas to thank for this, but they told uh, Carl the situation I was in. Uh, you know, Redding had uh, two amazing goalies that year, and Jonathan Quick and Danny Taylor and similar situation two American League guys NHL guys always up we need somebody just in case and Carl was very clear about the position I'd be taking here he was a man of his word I came in and uh it was awesome but to circle back to that point about like talented goalies uh, I mean first day that I practiced with Jonathan Quick you know there's something very special about that guy and uh it was it was amazing to watch him work and watch him practice and I couldn't believe he was in the coast. He was too good, but uh, it was it was a great experience. And obviously now he's he's gone on to be a Stanley Cup champion. And you know that was another indication that uh, <laughs> you know my days were coming to an end. But you know that year in Reading, what was special about it? It was like coming home for me. Uh, this community has always embraced me. Uh, that year, I was lucky enough to have two different uh, boosters. Um, the Smith family, uh, Debbie and Jim Smith, took me in and you know, uh, as one of their family and again, helped me out. Uh, I met a great friend and a great mentor in Robin Schilling who also helped me out and uh, has really been instrumental in helping me with all my, you know, goalie school business and everything else. She's a very smart lady and a good friend. And uh, yeah, I just, I really enjoyed it. I was happy to be home and I felt kind of like, you know, Rocky Balboa had come full circle from where I started back to where I started. And I thought it was poetic at the end of that season that, you know, maybe it's time to uh, focus on some coaching. I want to give you one last chance to guess these two Dayton goalies because I had them pulled up, but I was ready to ready fire away from them. You said you always remember one, not the other, before we get back to Reading. So any other any other guesses before I complete the uh, the goalie union of those teams? Okay, so we're going to the, the, the Dayton team? Yep. Is yep. that the one you're asking me about? Yep. So 06, 07, <sighs> you had said Adam Burkle, and then there's another one as well. Yeah, it's Danny. I just can't think because I always get confused with Danny Taylor, but I think it's Danny. Uh, uh, he's a Columbus goalie. Yeah. I should know this. I, I yield. What is it? LaCosta. Yeah. You know, dude, he's such a good guy, too. Um, I met him up in Brampton at a goalie school, and he's a really good guy. I should have remembered his name. I feel bad. Yeah, some games with the Crunch Blue Jackets. No, that's that's cool. Uh, And we'll give you. uh, So you had said. um, Now we're talking 0708. You mentioned the situation in Dayton. So um, you had mentioned Regine uh, Beauchemin, and there was uh, there was another goalie on that team. And uh, before we get back to Reading, I'd like to give you one last chance. All right. You know what? I remember this one. It's Jeremy Duchesne. Yeah, you got it. Jeremy Duchesne. That's right. That's right. That's right. So Dan Lacosta and uh, Jeremy Duchesne. So we'll uh, <laughs> we always have to make sure the goalies remember each other. That's the uh, the reasoning for that. Um, so 
you were mentioning yeah. how special that season was and um, you know whether it was the shillings or you know the other boosters the Smiths that helped take you know take care of you and make sure everything was going right and felt like full circle but you gave back to the community a lot too uh, you don't win the community service award if uh, for the team if you don't help out and you know head around the community um, do you remember any of the specific things that you did that year that led to you getting named to be the uh, community service award winner for the team uh, I, I remember a few. I, I really enjoyed going to schools and reading. We did some hospital visits. Um, there was a bunch of stuff. I Since junior, I've always been interested in, you know, think about a hockey player's life outside the rink. After practice, you know, you might go back to the apartments. You might go to the gym. You might relax. You might watch a movie. But we have a lot of dead time between games and practices. And uh, in junior hockey, it was my coach, uh, Dwight McMillan, that, really stress the importance of giving back to the community and, and being active and getting out there. It's not just good for the team. It's not good for the organization. It's good for everybody. And, you know, that's when I started to make these connections with, with kids and youth hockey and how much they looked up to us. So, yeah, when I came to Reading, um, whenever there was an event, I, I believe the, uh, the girl's name was Brenda Thompson. She was a front office girl for the Royals, just awesome person. And if there was ever something that needed to be done, she would call over and um, it would be posted on the board or to make an announcement and I had nothing to do and it seemed like a lot of fun so I did it and it was great it was, uh, it was a huge honor and I was very grateful uh, for the award I was only here for half a season so it was a surprise I didn't expect it but uh, again uh, the community here is awesome and anytime you can give back it's it's always well received Again, here with Terry Denike, Director of Youth Hockey Development for the Royals here on the Roaring Twenties podcast. Uh, so, playing career finishes. How did you make your way back to Reading after that? So, uh, after after the season, here's how it kind of went down. Uh, Royals were heading into the playoffs. Uh, we only really had two goalie roster spots, and obviously Jonathan Quick and Danny Taylor were were the men. Uh, they were awesome goalies and. You know, I, I stuck around in the area and I uh, actually looked into going back to school. I had been recruited by some different hockey companies, like hockey schools, to uh, create some programs and become a coach. Uh, but I went back to school and um, I was actually a volunteer firefighter with the Spring Township Department. And got to give a shout out to my two uh, mentors there, Justin Rhodes and Troy Hutt. Um, my dad has been a firefighter in Mississauga for 35 years and besides a hockey locker room there's no better camaraderie than a fire department so i got to meet some great uh firefighters from the community i met a lot of great uh first responders from the community and i i kind of just stayed in that capacity and on the side I, I started doing uh goalie lessons for two of the former uh stick kids or assistant equipment managers at the time uh, alex adoni was the first goalie that reached out to me and said hey i know you're not playing anymore but do you have some pointers and so Alex and I started working together. He was my only client, and uh, he got me involved with uh, Penn State Burks uh, Club Hockey, and and I just really fell in love with coaching. I, I've been doing goalie schools and stuff since I've been 14 years old, um, and I, I've always loved it. I love teaching the game. I love watching young athletes figuring things out. So it just kind of clicked, and I think in my mind at the time, I thought if I can become a career firefighter somewhere and have a part-time goalie school on the side, I think that sounds like a pretty good way to live, and as time went on, it just slowly became more evident that 
you know, my dad is the firefighter in the family and I am the, the hockey player in the family. I, the more, uh, the more firefighters I hung around with, the more I realized like they're, they're a great bunch of guys and they know a lot more than I do. I was really struggling with, uh, hydraulics and pump pressure and water pressure and building construction. And it just, it, it wasn't easy for me to understand. And as much time and energy as they tried to explain it to me, my brain just wasn't cut out for it. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how I ended here. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that you were a fire, uh, a volunteer firefighter in, uh, in spring township, um, as well. I'm, I'm glad you had, uh, you know, brought that up and reminded the people, especially now, uh, when increased importance, um, on first responders, not just, uh, police and fire, but obviously, you know, all over the world, people that are on the front lines, uh, helping out the world right now is, is, uh, is really it's really neat to see the embrace of uh, of all first responders um finished up a couple quick ones so um john muse is currently in uh bali indonesia he's been there for nine weeks um there was a story that was published today he was playing um in the khl for a team in beijing the kunlin red star and he's now in indonesia because his luggage got stuck in Moscow and they closed the country to anyone that was coming internationally. And, uh, he decided to take a risk and leave his luggage in Moscow and go on vacation for a few weeks in late February. And, uh, so if John Muse is listening out there, uh, <laughs> John was, uh, obviously a really, really great goalie for the Royals. That was my first year with the team. That was John's only year with the team and KMAC's first year as, uh, as head coach, um, he is—he's a different guy, but he's a great guy. What did you like about getting a chance to work with John as well as with uh, with Dex that year in 2017-18? Oh, it was—it was really cool to see the difference in athletes. Uh, obviously, they're both uh, awesome people and awesome goalies, and they have different approaches to the same position. And I think that's what I, I got out of that coaching experience. Um, John is a, a very good goalie, set in his ways. If you watch him practice, you, you think, well, you know, I wish he would try harder. I wish he would take this serious like a game. And then on the other side, Dex is killing himself every shot in practice to make sure, you know, he's he's doing everything he can to stop the puck. So two different philosophies. And obviously when the game comes, they're, they're different athletes, but they're the same. John goes into a game and all that, uh, you know, focus and energy – conservation comes to play and experience and rebound control and you, and you see a professional you know uh, but that's I think where I was a young coach at the time working with John and I was trying to motivate him to try harder and practice sometimes and I don't think that <laughs> I understood his approach until later in the season when I got to know him better but uh, yeah both both athletes were, were great to work with uh, and and really helped me become a better coach. What's the uh, camaraderie like that over the you know years that you were with the Royals as the goaltending coach that um, you develop between the two guys, uh, most often two guys that are uh, with an ECHL team, and how important it is too for each goaltender to have the other ones back? Yeah, I, I think it really helped uh, having played here in Reading and, and understanding the area that these guys are walking into and you know, uh, the goaltending is a tough position to begin with, but, you know, every time a goal is scored, we're the first ones that are under the microscope of what we could do different, you know, and if you rewind the tape 30 seconds and you see where the breakdown occurs and how the play started, 
it's a team collapse. It's a team mistake. And, you know, we're trying to teach that at youth hockey as well. But uh, honestly, I think working with the goalies here and, and them having each other's back and pushing each other in practice and, uh, you know, they're, they're always competing for that call up to the American League. So it's it's a healthy relationship, but you want to be the guy that's getting the call. So I think the psychological uh, process for these athletes, like as much as you love Reading, these guys are on American League contract or NHL contract, they want to get to that next level, and they're doing everything they can to improve their stats or their play so that they can continue to climb the ladder. Terry, this was uh, this was fun, um, and uh, we'll kind of leave the floor to you. What's up with you the next uh, next few weeks? Anything planned besides just probably going for the same walk around the block that everyone's uh, been doing the last two months? <laughs> yeah, I think I'll be uh, I'll be responding to uh, some new registrations that came in today. I'm trying to uh, reach out, introduce myself to uh, all the new youth hockey families that are taking the time to register on the website. Um, you know, it's it's been uh, really exciting to see some new names pop up and meet new people through this uh, pandemic. But, you know, I've been spending a lot of time talking to my friends at different rinks, and if I give a shout-out to uh, one of my best friends, a good man by the name of Antoine Bergeron, former Royal uh, Hockey Director in Palmyra. Uh, you know, I talk to him on a daily basis. He's probably one of my best friends, and, uh, you know, when it comes to the, the hockey community, again, circling back to Reading, I met Antoine uh, when he was coaching here for the Junior Royals back in, I think it was 08, 09, or 09, 2010, something like that. And we just kind of hit it off. You know, he's a French guy, both Canadian. So we became friends. And over the years, I, I've been in his wedding. You know, I uh, I really value his friendship. And, uh, you know, he's doing a lot of, of good work for uh, youth hockey in Pennsylvania. And when you asked me earlier about people that, have influenced me or people that I talk to I, I have to say that you know one of the best people in this area hands down Antoine Bergeron and uh, the other friend that I talk to on a regular basis also a former uh, Royal is uh, Sandy Cohen what a great guy I'll tell you uh, when I retired I met Sandy and he's uh, he's been nothing but uh, a mentor to me as far as financial planning I got every possible insurance you can imagine right now he always makes sure I'm taken care of but uh it's that Royals family, David. That's what I was talking about, you know, the, the community and the people that I've met here and uh, the people that I continue to meet here. It just it, it really does make it feel like home, and I'm proud to be a part of this community. It's uh, It's been wonderful for uh, anyone that obviously has, you know, been a part of the community since the start, um, has played for the team, and you feel it even in the front office too for sure, which is uh, why you've stepped over to the – the front office side i suppose uh with the royals so uh terry thanks again for uh for the time and uh we appreciate it hey my pleasure thanks for uh letting me relive my glory days for a few minutes here and hopefully you guys enjoyed the show